0: The following program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Cloud Witness Church. Today with Norman Snell. We, you see books all the time that always talks about how to hear the voice of God. But I never see that theme in the scriptures. I never see a theme that talks about how do you hear the voice of God. I only see God's voice. Ah, that's telling us something. You'll hear from God when you know how he talks. you hear from God when you know him. If you've been listening to this ministry for any amount of time, significant amount of time, you don't need a book on how to hear the voice of Norman, right? You've come to know what we believe. You know the voice. Likewise, God wants you to know his voice. And what will you find? You'll find a God who does not change his mind. Let's start there. Anything that God has decided stays decided. What's up, family? It's Norman from Cloud Witness Church, and I just want to ask, how are you doing? And that's a real question, a very real question. I mean, what kind of ministry will we be if we're not asking you how you're doing? This is not a rhetorical question. It's meant for you to think about it. And listen, we accept any answer. You ever talk to somebody, you ask them how are they doing? And they like respond, like, are you implying that I'm not doing well? And it's like, no, I'm just asking. So now we accept all answers. If you're saying you're doing perfectly fine, the family's healthy, you've been full of joy lately, you've got the promotion lately, you know, um, all of that, God bless you. We're so happy for you. We rejoice with you. If the baby was born healthy, whatever it is, I'm glad that it's going good for you. You know what? Church is not just a place of picking people up when they're down. It's also the celebration of things that are going good. So no, we accept all answers. And we're equally as invested in those who are not doing well. Those who, when you say, are you doing okay? They're, you're not doing okay. You can't sleep. You're feeling very like melancholic. You're, you know, your days are feeling like they're warped into one big mess. You know what I mean? You can barely differentiate Monday from Tuesday, Tuesday from Wednesday. Listen, I've been there. I know that feeling of not feeling like quite alive. Listen, God is equally invested in that. What God is not interested in, he has no love for, is the ego. No love for the ego. The ego is our worst enemy, always will be. There's no enemy like myself. There's no enemy like yourself. So, no, learn to master the small things in life. Be somebody that can accept compliments. Be more so somebody that can accept criticism. And be somebody who can be asked how you're doing without getting defensive, as if somebody's trying to pry into your life. No, it's none of that. God has plans for you, right? So God is good, man. And um, this, this sermon is called, When Things Do Not Go As Planned. I repeat, when things do not go as planned. How many have experienced that? You, you, you have it mapped out in your mind, and before you know it, it's like, you are in a whole nother place. Right. And not all the times is the place just like bad. Right. Sometimes it's just a normal place, but an unexpected normal place. Look, God's eyes are on you. God's eyes are on you. Now, the day of testing, you know, if you listen to this ministry, we don't talk about um, things like that often because the day of testing, it can be gone by unnoticed. Because you're so entrenched by seeing the Lord, right? So when you see the Lord, you're not seeing other things. So it's like you're walking past the test of life and passing them. But then there's times where the test is going noticed in your life, right? It's that same boss wears her ugly head again, messing with you. It's those same friends you always try to break up with, start calling you again, right? Little frustrations every day on your way to work. There's that stuff, right? And it doesn't go unnoticed. The Lord wants to address that for you today. Now, the day of testing is a very real thing in the lives of believers. Very real. But it's not as grim as it sounds, right? It's not as as grim as it sounds. The Lord tests for the same reason he chastises, for your benefit. It is written that the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now think about your own parents. Your parents, when you were playing with a bunch of kids and you were like, you know, getting out of hand and misbehaving. Your mom did not spank the other kids. She reprimanded her kid. She called her kid into the office, into the bathroom or wherever she dealt with you at. So that's how you have to see it. If God is not disciplining you, he does not love you. The Bible is very clear about that. Just like you love your kids, you correct, you reprove, you shape them. So the day of testing is real. We talked about how many of times you're flying right past it, eyes on the Lord. Or maybe you're not flying right past it because your eyes are not on the Lord. But today we're talking about when you see it, when you see it and how to deal with it. And what is the thing that can energize you beyond it? Amen So now The wisdom is this Wisdom Can be identified in this way Just like Worry is X marks the spot Of what you're afraid of Worry will always tell you What you're afraid of Wisdom also will always Look to the Lord So if there's a situation You are handling All by yourself Then I'm telling you Wisdom is not Telling you to do that It would never tell you To do that Before you knew the Lord Yes After you know him No it would never. So the kings of Israel would have this trouble problem often, and they always would have invaders. And you know, it's, it's you know how warfare was back in those days. So they would always run down to the south to Egypt to get help to get the king to assist them against whoever's invading them. They never lost wars faster than when they did that. Every time, never fell. They would have had a better chance if they stood still and called on the Lord. So hasty feet will always miss the way. There's times where your, your mind might be saying, but what do you do? What do you expect me to do nothing? No, whenever you're calling on the Lord, that's not a doing nothing thing. Don't be so small minded. Calling on the Lord is not a do nothing thing. What is a do nothing thing is running to Egypt, to the proverbial Egypt to get assistance, only to lose the war twice as fast. Only to lose the wars twice as fast. How many times have you went to solve a problem and enhanced it? Don't lie. We've all done that. Solving, you enhanced it. So trust me, it's better to sit still with the Lord than to run by your own motivations, your own fears, your own will. Listen, God told the children of Israel to bring down the walls of Jericho by walking around it silent. Some of you don't know God enough to think he would ever tell you to do that. Would you? you you read it in a devotional for a second, but then you'll panic outside in the real world to ever do that. You'll read the devotional. We love the verse, be still and know that I am God. Respond to it, though. Don't just read that. Respond to that. Let that show you who your God is. See, the Bible's emphasis from beginning to end is the knowledge of the person of God. It is not in God bestowing a strategy on man. It's not God delivering a strategy for a successful life. It's God telling man to come to him for a successful life. Much different. If, you, if you're never sing it be besides God instruction and not God involvement. Right? Now, God does instruct He does. And we're going to talk about that. But God is also involved. (laughs) The climax of the story of God and man is Jesus Christ coming to be involved, not instructing, involved. You can have one and lose the other. But there is one that if you have it, you'll have both. And that's knowing the Lord. You can have the Lord's instructions and never know him. It's like I can write you a text message and tell you what to do, but you can never meet me. So you if the, if the situation change, you won't be able to keep up. It's like a test. You remember a test, right? You will prepare for it. A math test, especially. And you will prepare for it. And say it's your multiplication or your division. And what does the test do? It, it tells you the same problem that you have studied, slightly different, to prove if you learned it or not. See, because what you could have been doing is memorizing strategy, but you haven't learned it. So the moment, it's worded slightly different. It's like a whole new thing that you never studied. I know you've been there with me, friends. Likewise, if you don't know the Lord, a situation might arise that's slightly different than what you expect. You have no clue how to get out of it. You have no clue what to do. Right? So... You'll stick with your little baby steps. It says, okay, you don't, you don't be a church hopper. You don't, you don't jump to different churches. Okay, you, you, um, you, you serve the pastor water when he preaches. You're just doing stuff. No, no, get to know the Lord so you can move around with him. Amen. So wisdom will always tell you to call out to God every time. Self-confidence will never have you called to God. And you know what it is? It's a sinking ship. Now, guess what happens with sinking ships? Sometimes they take a longer time to sink, but they're sinking. Something can be sinking, and you don't even know that it's sinking. Right? So, sure, you picked up some extra money. Sure, you, you know, accumulated something else, but other stuff is falling the heck apart for you. Come on. Learn to discern properly, to judge properly. God... He proves he is trustworthy, not just through his promises, but through his warnings as well. Amen. Look, the the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. No discipline, no love. And God does not just prove he's worthy by trustworthy by his promises, but also by his warnings. He, He warned you how to not get into trouble. So, for example, you would trust the man who told you, you know what, don't go down the street. It's potholes everywhere. It's black ice. You'll damage your car. It's a chance you can get into an accident. And when he's proved right about that by avoidance, you appreciate him. So you don't just love your mother because she, she, she cuddled you. She was affectionate towards you. This is the part that you appreciate when you get older. Discipline is something you appreciate when you mature, not when you're young. Right, so, but then you remember like, you know what, my mom did not let me just run around into all wee hours of the morning. My mom made sure my homework was done. She did not just let me stay over anyone's house. My mom, um, you know what, she, she warned me not to play near the stove because it's hot or to run with scissors. You learn to appreciate that stuff, don't you? Now, look at all the trouble that happens for when somebody is not washed over like that. The graveyards and prisons are filled with it. There's children who were allowed to eat, to poison themselves because they were not washed over. There was children that, you know what, were molested because they, they were allowed to just beat over anyone's house. I'm not laying any blame here. So if this is your story, I'm totally not coming from an angle. What I'm saying is... Someone also proves their attention on you by how they watch over you in that way. And the result of him rebuking you is that you live. Now, Proverbs, the book of wisdom, always talks about correction. It says two things, that the wise man loves it and the fool hates it. God's ways are just like that, aren't they? They're either you're all in or you're all out. You love it or you hate it. It's not mixture. So there's times where even we... Our eyes grow dim to his ways. We are frustrated. We're blinded. Right? And then we can't appreciate his ways no more. You know, so it says that God, when he looked down unto the earth, he seen no one who understands. So I, I just got to thinking like, if God is looking down to the earth, I would think that he's looking for like a good heart, a righteous man, kindness, love. But no, no, no. God, he sees all things. But the point of emphasis, we always talk about emphasis, meaning the place of stress or utmost importance, is he looked and seen none who understood. And you want to know another thing? The highest point of contrast between Jesus Christ and us, as far as prophesied in the Bible, was God says the spirit of wisdom and understanding will rest on him. Wow. Wow. When God describes the man to come to save the world, he describes him as one who will abound in understanding. Remember the first sight we behold Jesus in action was when he was a teenager in the temple courts. And it says he was speaking with the rabbis and they were astounded by his understanding. First thing, not him doing a miracle, not him loving someone, it's his understanding. So, understanding wisdom is approved of by God. And actually, you're told that to desire it. In, in my studies, I see that there is nothing that's more singularly connected to blessedness. Blessings, meaning things that you receive, and blessedness, meaning your state of life, your state of being. There's one thing that's most connected to those more than anything else, and it's wisdom. The Bible, every time it mentions wisdom, it mentions blessedness. The two are tied. Solomon, when he asked the Lord for wisdom, it says he relieved, received riches, glory, and honor. So wisdom will enhance your life. But understanding is something that we take for granted, right? It's not You don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, for this day to be successful, I must have good understanding. Chances are you don't. Right? You might think like, okay, let me calm my temper down. Let me have a good attitude today. You know what? Let me not snap back at my boss when they say something. You know, let me go. A thousand things, but chances are you're not waking up Say, Let me be filled with understanding today. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Maybe that can change the whole dynamic of your life for you. Because it says, let any man ask wisdom in God who gives liberally. Without finding fault. Wisdom is a thing that it says God gives freely without finding fault. He gives it without credit checks. Amen. So it changes everything when you have an understanding. And it's something that we take for granted. It's like a a nose that's not stuffy. When you're sick, you despise that stuffy nose, man, that you can't sleep. You think of all times you took for granted when your nose works perfectly fine. Isn't understanding like that? Like the moment you're really, really confused, you crave it. You crave, you know, wanting to know what the heck is going on. You, you like, you're like, man, I just uh, I wish I understood why this is happening, why that's happening, why this is going that way. And you crave it. But it's something you don't notice until you're really, really confused. So when things don't go as planned, There's two simple answers, and this will bless you. One is God and his unchangeable mind, and two is Christ who cannot fail. God and his unchangeable mind and Christ who cannot fail. So we talked about that the scriptures say, the Lord says, my soul does not delight in the one who shrinks back from me. So it's one thing to not, it's not talking about sinners there. It's talking about children of God, people of God, right? Because a sinner is not drawing near to shrink back in the first place. It's talking about those who you've been trusting for a while and now you're, grown, you're not trusting anymore. You've been trusting God to help you with the business. You've been trusting God to help you with the move, the, the, ch- the change of location, the uh, friendships, Right, Financially, family life. And now you're growing to the point where you're shrinking back and you're trying to handle it on your own. No, 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 friends. That's why you must know the Lord. Because if you only are seeing strategies, it's like the math test. You'll study for it for weeks. And the test, what does it do? It words it slightly different enough to expose whether you learned it or not. Because if you learned it, you can flow with the different representation of the problem. But if you just memorized it, you will be stuck. You have no clue. Right? So some are getting hung up because all you know is the strategy. You know, okay, thou shall not church hop. Thou shalt go to one church at a time. I'm not saying I'm against that, but I'm just talking to that type of thinking. Thou shalt make sure the pastor has his cup of water. Thou shalt. You know, pray for Sister Shelly at 3 p.m. And you don't know how to flow because you're not knowing him. You know, you see books all the time that always talks about how to hear the voice of God. But I never see that theme in the scriptures. I never see a theme, a book that talks about how do you hear the voice of God. Only see God's voice. Ah, that's telling us something. You'll hear from God when you know how he talks. you hear from God when you know him. Right? So right now, you don't need to, if you've been listening to this ministry for any amount of time, significant amount of time, you don't need a book on how to hear the voice of Norman. Right? You've come to know what we believe. You know the voice. You know the voice. Likewise, God wants you to know his voice. Because There'll be times when the answer is not obvious, I promise you that. It will not, it will be farthest from obvious. There'll be times that you're not picking between a bad decision and a good decision. You're picking between two good decisions and you need discernment. There's times where the situation screams for you not to enable your child, not to further enhance their behavior by saving them all the time. But when you see it, you see like this situation can be devastating if I'm not involved listen that's why you need to have wisdom and understanding and look to the Lord look to the Lord so and what will you find you'll find a God who does not change his mind let's start there God is the every eternal one anything that God has decided stays decided can I get a good amen when God makes a decision it stays the decision God thinks before he speaks and means what he says, right? He analyzes everything with the mind of of the Lord that sees everything perfectly. It says all things are laid out bare before the Lord, meaning he knows every large detail, every minute detail. He knows every train of thought, every behavior, all parties involved, how the weather is going to be tomorrow. Everything. Amen. And that, my friend, is to our benefit like no other. It's to our benefit. So the Lord that has his grip on you means he has an unchanging grip on you. If the Lord loves you, that means it's the same. It's an unchanging love. If the Lord promised to lead you, that means he stays promised to lead you. There's no, it needs to be no panic involved. And things might not go as planned for us, right? And sometimes we see that as devastating. Now, that's a problem, but not a major problem. It's merely a human complication. Everything God desires to... Everything God plans goes exactly how he plans. So sometimes our fear comes from we weren't looking at God in the first place. And we we lost track of that somewhere. So for example, if somebody wants to take you somewhere, they want to drive you somewhere, and you don't know how to get there, and you're a passenger, right? Right? When they start driving past cornfields and barren lands and broke down factories and things like that, when they start driving past places that clearly nothing is there, would you panic? No, you wouldn't. You'll stay seated and I'll let them to drive you there. So when we're doing that, and it's like we're on the journey, right? Cause this is not a, it's not a one day, one shot th- deal. This is a, a journey life with the Lord. He drives us past, you know, this cornfield where there's nothing in it. And we start panicking. Like, whoa, Lord, this is not going according to plan. And that only shows that we were not fully resting on his ability to perform it in the first place. So more of the story is don't look at, out the window. Look at God. Eyes on him. Not out the window. Because you're going to see the abandoned factory and think he's dropping you off there. No, no, no. You're still on your way. So everything with the Lord goes according to plan. There's not. So if it goes according to plan, that means he never has to alter it. He never has to change direction. He never has to go get a second opinion. Second opinion. He never has to change his mind. He does not need to go get a new set of tools. and He does not need to wait. Because why? Because everything is a going according to plan. And if you connect that to his amazing ability, amazing strength to carry out his will, then it's a done deal. And not only is it done, it's well done. It's well done for your life. Because the Lord does not need to readjust. So if God's planning is perfect, then that means his timing is perfect, doesn't it? Because to plan something involves a time frame. So if somebody says, I'm going to build a building and it shall be done by such and such date. Then the proof that it went according to plan is when it's done by such and such date, isn't it? He cannot say it went according to plan if it ended completed on some other date. No, no, it must remain on the course of his time frame. So, God's, so if God's a perfect, his plans, everything goes according to his plan. Then that means everything goes according to the time he meant it to, to happen. So that means also his not yet time is perfect. All the moments where his not yet is as equally as perfect as when he began it, to the process through it, to its completion. Amen. It says in Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, When the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman under the law. When the time had fully Come. What does it mean when the time has fully come? Then that means there was times that it had not yet fully developed yet. So it means it was a whole bunch of not yet time. But the Lord remains his stays on course as the master builder as he is. God is building your life. It's it's happening. It's happening. The Lord does not start and not finish. Paul says For I am convinced that the Lord will finish the good work he began in you. So if you ask the prophets, right? And they're looking. And they're prophesying all these things about Jesus, right? And it's a not yet time for them. But can you imagine if they seen Jesus on the banks of the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist and the dove descend on him? Can you imagine when they seen Jesus raise Jairus' daughter from the dead? Can you imagine when they seen him riding on Jerusalem and them people screaming, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then you have that, wow, God's not yet time is perfect. So if God's planning is perfect, then that means his timing is perfect. And if his timing is perfect, that means his completion is perfect. It is perfectly mapped out. So where he's taking you, when you arrive there, it will be a perfect, completed work. But you say, Norman, you don't understand. It's not going according to plan. Yes, it is. It's going according to God's plan. And everything God carries out, he will carry out the exact way that he started. Because again, he has no need to change direction. Everything is developed in perfect wisdom, love, and performance at all times. God has already calculated your miscues. He's already calculated your mistakes. He has run through the whole simulation. It's not, you no, know, a computer can run through the holes. He can do simulations, meaning he could play out a billion and one different odds, scenarios, right, to find the most likely result. But for a computer, that's still even guessing. It's, it's like mathematics. The Lord has already seen it. It's before him, it's already done. So he knows exactly how it's gonna be for you. So the Lord has no need to change directions. Trust in him. His plan is still going. And you'll notice that that just brings such a calmness already. The unchangeable mind of the Lord. If you have come to put your hope in Jesus Christ, you know that he makes promises. So that means if God does not change his mind, then that means the promises are set. They're they're a rock. God is called the rock of ages. So yes, yes, all of them are yes in Christ. And we say amen unto the glory of God. All of the promises are yes already. So God does not change his mind. Amen. Amen. Now, I know we we're doing something strategic, right? A specific plan, like a new job, a new house, a new business, a relationship. And it doesn't go according to plan. It's quite different to then just like, you know, regular stuff in life. But listen, God is more strategic. He knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. Faith, don't talk yourself out of faith. It says God is pleased by the foolishness of preaching. God is pleased by the foolishness of preaching. Preaching seems like such a weak thing, right? It's always being combated by something else. So it's like, okay, people preach, then I'm gonna be a motivational speaker. Now, do I believe there's some wisdom in motivational speaking? Sure. It, am I a fan of it in some ways? Sure. But let me tell you the difference between motivational speaking and gospel. Motivational, motivation, you no know, speech is inspirational. The gospel is transformational Motivational speaking is You change yourself Gospel is the power of God changing you But it's the foolishness of preaching That brings, up, brings out all these things That are like minded You know so people want to have The type of motivation without the religion They want to have religion without religion That's all motivational speaking is it's just different little clues of life that can enable you, that can help you, so to speak. But the gospel is the power of God to all those who believe. The foolishness of preaching. Don't talk yourself out of faith. There's times where you, the Lord is speaking to you, be still, and you resist it. It feels like error to you. It feels like too much of a narrow way. Trust it. God does not change. If he called you to it, he'll lead you through it. You know, little lines like that, bumper sticker lines. The number two solution to when things do not go as plain is Christ who cannot fail. I can only imagine the favor of God on this man who has prophesied that he cannot fail. All the scriptures, when it leads up to him, talks about how he will not falter, or grow discouraged until he has established justice for the nations. In his speech, the islands will put their hope. He won't grow discouraged. He was the non-failing man. Amen. So can you see how God views him? We talk about this all the time. It's not how you view Jesus. It's how he, God views him. You never get his specialness until you see the eyes that God views him on. And God views him as the one who cannot fail. His beloved son. Amen. Hallelujah. And that stirs the soul too, because you are so connected to him. Believers feel a connectedness to Jesus. Jesus even said himself, he says, "'Those that believe in me can't go about "'and say a bad thing about me.'" Have you heard a believer say a bad thing about Christ? Of course not. They feel like they belong to him, and they do. Amen. They feel like he watches over them, and he does. the, The soul is so connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's their shepherd and they feel as though they're his sheep. And because he's the one of understanding, he shepherds you full of his understanding. That means he also knows the dangers according to his knowledge. See, you can't anticipate the wolf or the bear as a sheep as much as you think you can, nor should you. Because what you'll do is you'll run from the Lord's rebuke, his correction that can save your soul. And you wander off into the woods somewhere into trouble. No, listen, the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. Even if it's a hard teaching, it's the one that will prosper you. Amen. So he's he's the one that they delight in and he cannot fail. Not he would not, should not, he cannot. Amen. When he's in the garden of Gethsemane sweating great drops of blood, he cannot fail. When he's betrayed by a friend, Judas, in the middle of the night, he cannot fail. When Lazarus is dead four days and his body begins to smell, he cannot fail. When he can hear Peter, his best friend, disowning him with curses and swearings while he is getting beat and on trial in front of the high priest, he cannot fail. When he is lacerated and Beat by the Roman scourging and a crown of thorn placed on his head, he cannot fail. When he rides into the holy city, Jerusalem, and the people say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna, he cannot fail. When he walks on water, he cannot fail. When he's hanging on the cross in the appearance of weakness, lacerated to the bone and being beyond recognition, he cannot fail. When they lay him in the tomb to sleep, he cannot fail. When he rise, when he's resurrected and Thomas doubts the testimony that he really did it, he cannot fail. And when he ascends up to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God, he cannot fail. I promise you, if you meditate on that long enough, joy will already begin to spring up in your heart. Your Lord Jesus, who you are connected to, cannot fail. Trust in him cling in him cling to him rest on him listen jesus says how can they mourn when they are with me some of the disciples of john the baptist and the pharisees came up to jesus and said why don't your disciples fast like we do but jesus answers what their real question is how come they don't look glum how come they don't look depressed Because what was Jesus' response? How can they mourn when they're with me? He didn't say, how can they fast when they're with me? He said, how can they mourn? See, I'm all about fast. Fasting is fine. Nothing wrong with fasting. But make sure you're not doing it with the spirit of mourning. That's before the Lord came. No, no, no. You can't mourn with him. So the fastest way to destroy sadness is to be with the Lord. Because Jesus says they can't mourn when they're with me. If you are sad and you stay next to the Lord, sadness must run. It can't stand it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will shine on you and it will brighten you. It says that when Saul was tormented, David will play the harp for him and his soul will become refreshed and the evil spirit will leave him. We talk about all the time. You can have all these different strategies. The best protector against bad behavior is a joyous life. It's a joyous soul. It causes things that tempt you, trick you, to not be comfortable around you. Demonic forces, evil spirits, even bad people, so to speak, love to be around a glum spirit. They can't stand next to joy. A a, a soul that is quenched by the love of God. It makes them too uncomfortable. Darkness can't stand the light. So, hallelujah, if you're sad, go and be with Jesus. Go spend time with Jesus, and it will flee. Hallelujah. He cannot fail in any way. And when you see that, you stop looking at the plan. Your job, is, our, your job was never to look at the plan in the first place. It was to look at the Lord. Peter could walk on water as long as his eyes was on the Lord. The moment he took his eyes off to look at the plan, to look at the strategy, to look how he was walking. Oh, is my feet steps moving good on this water? He sank. Don't watch your feet. Watch the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the way. And the Lord cannot fail in his instruction of you. Do as he says. You're not to be governed by outside voices. The Lord says, my sheep know my voice and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep know my voice. Amen. The Lord cannot fail. And when that will get you through when things don't go as planned. I promise you. Hallelujah. The unchangeable mind of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you his shalom peace and ease your heart As you see that everything is going according to plan, the Lord does not change his mind. And he has given you a Christ who cannot fail, who's seated at the right hand of God, the favor seat, so his favor will be forever on you. Amen, amen. Go out this week, have a good week, and I'll see you soon. Much love.